uh, one of the um, the uh, truths that we learned was that to those within the city and in our communities today, Christianity is neither authentic nor relevant to those who don't follow Jesus. And so we are we are messaging to a hard audience uh, because their their perspective and their mindset towards our organization towards Christian organizations and to Christians is that don't feel that our organizations or us as individuals are authentic or relevant. Uh, that was a very clear message. And uh, in addition to that, we uh, had a, a aha that their perspective was that they felt like Christians and Christian organizations were talking to people about their beliefs without first understanding those they were talking to. So they weren't listening, uh, and but they were just, well, we know what they need, so we're just going to talk to them more. Welcome to Listener, a crew podcast. I'm your host, Sam Holland. Today's guest is Tom Goodwin from Crew City, and he's here to tell us about the City Roadshow for gospel engagement in a changing culture. Enjoy the show. Yeah, uh, we call it the Roadshow mostly for in- in-house purposes. We're taking crew city on the road to your city to share uh, what we've learned from our research in regards to gospel engagement within the city. And so a a subtitle to the roadshow is uh, gospel engagement in a changing culture. We did come, we came to Portland in January of 2019, I believe at the Palau headquarters. And just tell us how the roadshow began. Sure. Uh, well, in 2015, I was serving on the executive team with City, and uh, we were organizationally um, coming to kind of some uh, bumps in the road, and we needed to overcome some messaging and some understanding of what City was. And it really started with us uh, wanting to um, create messaging that would help our City staff understand and unify us in our mission of City within Crew. Secondarily, it was a desire for us to um, succinctly communicate who City is to the rest of our organization. And thirdly, it was to communicate and to market a message City outside of our organization. So we really did this for selfish purposes. And City's a young division within, within Crew, and there's a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of misconceptions. So we wanted to have a, a unified communication, marketing, and messaging plan for city, for all of crew, and for who we were outside of crew. Great. And so for listeners who maybe don't work for crew or aren't familiar with our different divisions, can you... So I work with the campus ministry, which is obviously college campuses and college students and professors. Can you talk about who is city? And uh, yeah, so what did you come up with to kind of describe who city is? Great. Uh, great question. Well, city would be almost everything else. You know, there is Jesus Film, there's AIA, there's Josh McDowell Ministry, um, there's our um, Unto Ministry, and then there's also city. So these are just divisions within crew. Um, previously, historically, we've had dozens of different ministries and spinoffs within crew that had various names. And with the rebranding of crew and solidifying who we were as an organization, we really took an umbrella of all adult professional ministries post-college and gathered those under the, um, the title of Division City. And um, it is interesting, in 2016, we met in San Diego uh, with our city staff at an annual meeting that we call Cityscape. 
And uh, there were about 200 staff there, and we had a breakout session on messaging and, and marketing, explaining who we are as city. And these are full-time crew staff working within city. We asked the 65 people that were there, how do you explain what you do? And of the 65 people that we had there, we had about 90 different answers. <laughs> so we thought, we've got a problem. We have a problem here. And um, we've created more of a problem. Instead of uh, gathering all the adult professional ministries under one umbrella, we were still uh, communicating um, what we were doing differently, though there were very co- a core essence of wh- who we were as crew, which are present with all the areas of city. So our desire uh, in that messaging was to create a clear message of who city is. And our mission and our distinction within crew is that we reflect Jesus together for the good of the city. And reflecting Jesus is how do we mirror him? How do we represent Christ? How do we proclaim him well? How do people see Jesus in us as an organization and as an individuals? The together is we don't do this alone. And uh, more so than any other time, we're finding the, the need as an organization to partner well with others. And uh, we kind of have a mantra uh, within City that we say, uh, we journey together with you. So crew joins you as opposed to you joining crew. And the, it, the city, the scope of city, the millions of people in the diverse environment, the fields of the city are, are very uh, different. And from Miami to Portland, you know all you know, the geographical uh, differences. Um, we realize that we can't have one size fits all for that. And we can't ask people to come to our programs and to do our initiative, but we can partner with others to have unique expressions of reflecting Jesus in the city. And so that's where we journey with others in the process. We really wanted to accelerate partnering. That's a core value of who we are as crew, and we think we have a great opportunity within city because there's no way we can staff have enough staff to reach the scope of every city. And God already has resources there, like-minded people that we can partner with and join with. So that's been a really exciting um, opportunity for our division of city to really live out that principle and that value of partnership. I love that. So speaking of messaging, you mentioned three of the four main crew priorities, which uh, the four are partnership, diversity, evangelism, and the world. And you talked clearly about how partnership, diversity, and evangelism fit in with your messaging. So on brand, also um, journeying with other, others, which is our crew brand promise. So yes. I love the work that you've done in the messaging. I think it's um, clear and really reflect, reflects Jesus and his ministry. And that, that really was our desire in the messaging, to provide a clear space for city to tie us to who we were historically as an organization and to draw out those core messages of Dr. Bright and the founding of crew of, of partnership and scope and faith living uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, it's been exciting that this messaging product project led to something much greater and we stumbled upon it. We didn't expect it. And the way we stumbled upon it is because we decided to ask others within the city, what did they think about us? What did they think about Christians? What did they think about Christian organizations? It was a little intimidating to do that because you're like, oh, we've got to listen to our critics and our friends. 
and how do they feel about cruise? So we launched a pretty uh, thorough qualitative and quantitative research study uh, with a group based out of Atlanta in an effort to really have clear messaging. But what we ran into, it, uh, it surfaced so many needs that we had to, had to pivot and adapt within our division and how to be effective and to speak to and to listen to our audiences within the city. So when we listened to those within the city through our research, we began to uh, realize we, we need to take who we are in Windbuild Set and our core DNA and acclimate that in such a way that our audience can hear us and that we can begin to listen to them more effectively. So that secondarily has launched into the Roadshow, Gospel Engagement uh, Within a Changing Culture. And the Roadshow is simply six modules that uh, re- do a reveal of all the uh, main learnings that we found from our research. Well, we love talking about listener. The name of this pod, listening. The name of this podcast is Listener. So, Tom, can you tell us a little bit when when you started listening to uh, people in the communities that city is in? What kinds of feedback were you getting? Well. Um, some of the hard feedback we got, truth is your friend, right? Uh, one of the, um, the uh, truths that we learned was that to those within the city and in our communities, today Christianity is neither authentic nor relevant to those who don't follow Jesus. And so we are, we are messaging to a hard audience uh, because their, their perspective and their mindset towards our organization towards Christian organizations and to Christians is that don't feel that our organizations or us as individuals are authentic or relevant. Uh, That was a very clear message. And uh, in addition to that, we uh, had an aha that their perspective was that they felt like Christians and Christian organizations were talking to people about their beliefs without first understanding those they were talking to. So they weren't listening, uh, and but they were just, well, we know what they need, so we're just going to talk to them more. And uh, we have an illustration of a brick wall and a divide that separates uh, people. And this, uh, this can uh, divide Christians from non-Christians. It can divide people from uh, uh, ethnic, different ethnic backgrounds, uh, social economic backgrounds, political beliefs. But um, what we are seeing rapidly increase within our culture is a brick wall. And each brick wall is a very well-intended truth spoken from one side to the other. So, Sam, if I'm talking to you as someone who is skeptical and thinks that Christianity is not authentic, and I'm just telling you what you should believe, what I've done, in essence, is I put another brick on that wall, and I've separated myself from you. And then your response, normally, uh, a normal person's response would be to send their truth or their belief towards you, but I don't receive it. It stops at that brick wall and it adds another brick in an ever-growing wall. And that brick wall is becoming a sound barrier between people. And just even in the area of faith, there's a sound barrier that has led to people feeling that Christianity is neither authentic nor relevant. And so we feel what will bring down that brick wall. It's one brick at a time. How do we loosen those bricks? And our understanding from the research is that conversations loosen those bricks. 
and how do you have a conversation without listening? And so that's that's a, a it's it's pretty elementary. <laughs> it's not difficult uh, to believe this, but it kind of uh, is a bit of a uh, restart for us to think. Oh, we really need to really evaluate our posture in engaging with people within the city and we need to begin listening and having those significant conversations that would begin to loosen those bricks and as the bricks come down and people uh, then begin to think oh you're a christian i thought you were this or i thought you would believe this or this is who i thought jesus was a lot of misconceptions and they come by a lot of those misconceptions quite honestly <laughs> uh, for how we've presented ourselves. And so uh, part of our research has revealed to us the significance and the importance of conversations and listening. And this is over the long haul. And um, an exciting metaphor that we use is the, the illustration of a dandelion. A dandelion has about 110 to 130 seeds in it. And that if every follower of Christ would be spreading their seeds... Uh, and spreading those through conversations, multiple touch points of conversations of people that we engage with on a day-to-day, week-to-week, or month, month-long basis, um, or every month, then if every Christian was doing that, it would begin to loosen those bricks. And then people would engage in what Paul talks about in Acts, that he would reason with those in the synagogue, and he would reason with those who happened to be in the marketplace. And um, what I think the people in the city are asking for is they're longing for a reasoning conversation. And part of being able to reason with others is to listen. Um, So I I get really excited about what we've learned and how it resonates in my own life and my own experience, but also in those uh, people. We've done the Roadshow 20 different times in 20 different locations and have had really incredible um, feedback from it. Wow. Well, I'm excited about it, too. I mean, I love everything you're saying. And um, when you mentioned the dandelion, I remember another a similar illustration you used during the roadshow, which um, differentiated between a greenhouse and a a field of wildflowers. Can you talk about that? Sure. Um, That is in our first module where we uh, say that the city, or really, as we've done this presentation, it's not just the city. It's every school, it's every campus, it's every neighborhood and every community, and really how the uh, posture of how churches need to respond. We've had a lot of missions organizations, church planners, and pastors participate uh, in the roadshow, and they've resonated with this first metaphor that we need to be more like a wild field as opposed to a greenhouse. And um, the key with this is there are wonderful things that happen in a greenhouse environment. So we We'll show a picture of a greenhouse of neat rows of flourishing strawberries, and that's the only thing in the greenhouse. And only certain people are allowed in the greenhouse. And if the strawberries don't produce, you can pivot, and you can change, you can add the right ingredients, you can add more water, more artificial sun, or climate control, nutrients, and so forth, because the goal is to produce fruit. The wild field, strawberries tend to be a little more sweet, but they're not as prevalent. Uh, they're difficult to find, and there's a lot of adverse um, uh, pests and uh, environment and soil and those conditions that you can't control. And so even beyond strawberries, you know, you think uh, things that grow within a greenhouse usually are grown for productivity. 
And if you buy your flowers in a greenhouse, they're usually annuals. They, have to, they die out after a season. They don't have the hardiness to survive. And transplanting lessons learned from a greenhouse to a wild field is difficult. It involves a lot of intellectual flexibility and remaining true to core values and letting some things die and letting some things flourish. And so historically, what we have found within our organization, I've been on staff for 32 years, we flourish as crew. And many local churches, denominations, and Christian organizations resonate with this. We're all, we're all together on this. It's a very Western, productive mindset that the church is here to produce fruit and results. And I can't argue with that. We, we can't argue with that. It's our desire, best of intentions, to produce fruit and be as most effective as possible. Um, but the reality is that's not the way the real world works. <laughs> and the real world is, has death and dying and sadness and sickness and hatred and sin and racism and inequality and injustices. It's not a controlled environment. And so when we, when we try to transfer what works really well in a contained, controlled environment out into the real world, um, we become really frustrated because we're not seeing the same results. And I think historically, as we're transitioning as an organization, we had wonderful decades of flourishing in a greenhouse environment. Fabulous, uh, fabulous fruitfulness as a result of that. But our culture was different. Our culture wasn't, hadn't had the animosity against Christianity, the misunderstandings and the misconceptions. So we're, we have a new field that we're working in. And the premise is, is that most people don't think that Christianity is relevant. They're not thinking about God. They're not reading their Bible. And that can even translate in, even into Christian subcultures. A lot of people aren't reading their Bibles. They're just, they're believing subtitles and points and memes and snippets, you know, but they're not basing it on the, the whole one story of the whole universe, which is scripture. Uh, this can go a lot of, down a lot of rabbit trails, but I think where it's, this metaphor is very helpful is for us to think, okay, if I'm going to be sowing seed, cultivating ministry in this environment, I uh, have historically, as a 55-year-old within crew on staff for over three years, I sometimes want to say, why, don't, why aren't people coming to our programs? Why aren't they filling out the checkmark boxes? Why aren't they responding and saying yes? Uh, because it used to work. It, it, you, I used to get really great contacts and leads. Um, and living in the past, that's not who we are as crew. We're innovative. We're wanting to create new, and we're wanting to adjust to the culture and bring the timeless message of the gospel into that. Now, I could, we could spend this entire rest of this podcast talking about the biblical metaphors of the wild field and the sower and seed and how the agrarian society of the near Middle Eastern culture and all of Scripture is grounded in a wild field. The farmer's praying, Lord, would you provide rain? The droughts that we would experience that God would bring on the Israelites in Joseph's time and the drought that led all the brothers to come back to Joseph to Egypt to see provision. God orchestrated all those things. And even Joseph said, well, uh, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That's a wild field. That's a faith environment. Uh, that's not a controlled, uh, humanistic, Western, orderly view of religion. Uh, this, this, I think, this wild field is what Dr. Bright desired in light of big ideas, flourishing, partnering, risk, faith. And that's what I want to be a part of. 
I want to be a part of seeing God move. You know, interesting, Sam, that um, in crew, we have a definition of success in witnessing or initiative evangelism being is taking the initiative and the power of the Holy Spirit to share Christ and leaving the results to God. And we are as true to that today as we were when we founded it as an organization. But what I am sensing that we need to lean into more is the leave the results to God. We take the initiative in the power of the Holy Spirit to present Christ, but we leave the results to God. And so often in a greenhouse mindset, I, I could strategize. If I share the gospel 10 times, one person, two people are going to come to Christ. And if I did it wrong, well, then my follow-up is wrong, or I'm not, I don't have the most effective content going into it. And subtly and slowly, I was buying into a very controlled greenhouse humanistic view of how do we share the gospel. The gospel is the most wild thing out there. God is bringing an eternal message into the eternal hearts of man, and he uses his image bearers to bring that message, to bring about life-changing transformation. That's certainly something I don't want to control. I want to jump on board with where God's going in the wild field. And that's what we discuss in our first module of the Roadshow. Tom, can you tell us more about the, was it a consulting group that you worked with when you were putting to doing this research, market research and putting together the roadshow? So this is not a Christian organization that you were partnering with. It was like a marketing organization. So they were going to come in and look at your messaging and help you think about it. I mean, was that hard to partner with? people who aren't necessarily Jesus followers, but they're going to come tell you about, about your messaging? Well, let me, I'll love to introduce you to this. They'd be great on a podcast, listening podcast as well. This, this group uh, is called uh, Local in Atlanta. Previously, they were known as Cyrano, and that's what a lot of crew people would be familiar with, them being known as, as Cyrano. And Cyrano was simply a collective of marketing expats that left the large, big box corporations doing marketing and decided to venture out on their own in contract work. And so we worked with one person at, that pulled together a team of about seven others, researchers, artists, designers, messengers, and marketing experts. They hadn't worked together before, so we handpicked those people that would be best for our project. Um, and the you know, it's, they, weren't, they weren't a Christian marketing group. Several of them are followers of Jesus, and a few of them are not. They have no interest. They're, they would be spiritual. They call themselves spiritualists, uh, but others would say, I'm, I have no idea what you're talking about in your Christian lingo. Interestingly, it was a step of faith to say, do we want to bring in someone who is not a part of our culture, our environment, um, to, to speak into that? And I think it was God-ordained that we would invite um, a couple of those team members to join us to speak into it, because uh, so often we go into our Christian echo chambers and we talk to ourselves, and it becomes happy talk. And that's, that even prevents us from doing research and asking people what they think about us. So what better way to assemble a team than to have that reflect the diversity of faith and belief in the city and, you know, they're experts. They're marketing experts. We were the theologians, the biblical experts. 
the dance with this was hearing what the market research was telling us and marrying this with who we are biblically. And I tell you, I had a lot of um, sleepless nights where I was like, oh, we, we have to stop that direction of where, where they're going because we have a greater appreciation for the eternal truth of God's word and how this needs to intersect the, um, the biblical premise of who we are as an organization. Um, so I had some great theologians on our crew side uh, that really helped us take what we learned from, a, from secular research and truth and how do we translate that in a way that we can understand that um, biblically? I found out in this project, it's truth is what we were looking for. And the respondents gave us their truth of their experience. And it resonated with deep threads of doctrinal and biblical truth, uh, who we are as an organization and historically throughout all of church history, uh, what we found too. So, um Almost Dr. Cass Monaco and Dr. Gary Run uh, were on my team as well. So I, I couldn't ask for better leaders within the division of city to join with me on the theological premise um, and really scrutinizing that um, because we didn't want to roll this out. People think, oh, that's just market research. And what are we? We're a Christian, or- you know, we're a Christian organization. So I'm like, yeah, first and foremost, we are a missiological movement that wants to be true to biblical, um, biblical truths and doctrinal truths. Uh, and we're listening to what we've learned from the market research and how do we marry those together without compromise. And I really feel we took two years to cultivate all of this, this information. We didn't do the research, package it, roll it out. We really marinated on an executive team within City about nine months engaging with um, the consultants back and forth and a lot of tug and, and pull. And um, I think what we came out with is in, incredible uh, research, but also in, incredibly deep and rich theology that supports who we are and can help us launch a more effectively uh, going forward. Well, and did you find, I mean, when I really listened to others in my community, whether they're Jesus followers or not Jesus followers, if there's any kind of um, criticism or um, even if there if there's anything about Christianity that is not sitting well with people in my community, it, it's usually not the teachings of Jesus and the core of his ministry. That's what they love. And that's what they're looking for. And it's other things that we've built up as religion around it that oftentimes are the sticking points. And it strikes me that, I mean, that's how Jesus came on the scene. Like Jesus came on the scene to reorient everyone in the Jewish community to really what God was about, who he was and what he was for and what Jesus was coming to do. And it was religion that he was trying to strip away and get back to the heart of God, right? Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, Part of our research revealed um, personas within the city. We needed to have a way to describe who are the people, uh, the respondents from this research. And uh, you know, we could have had 24 personas. We narrowed it down to seven. And they all are on a scale of belief from being anti-dogmatic. Like they're 
vehemently against who we are as Christians and the Christian message, all the way up to the faithful that are on board with us and and loyal and multiplying disciples, however we want to describe them. But all seven of those people along the scale of belief, all of them um, had positive responses and a willingness to engage in conversations around the person of Jesus or the teachings of Jesus. And this wow. 87% responded and said, I'm willing to have a conversation with you on that, which is significant. Um, our, the research that we did most interestingly interesting was the qualitative research, quantitative, qualitative, excuse me, the qualitative research, which went deep, a deep dive with 24 people throughout the entire country with um, breakdown uh, ethnically, financially, and belief system, uh, where their belief is coming from. And all of them said, I am willing to work with and to engage with someone in uh, a Christian organization around the beliefs of Jesus if these things are true. And those things that are true are five things of how we engage in those conversations. We can pick that up a little bit later. But all of them had a green light, a yellow light, or a red light on each one of their premises of what do you think about Christians, Christian faith, um, joining in Christian organizations. And a lot of the red light stuff was um, you know, typical mindset and views that they have, uh, stigmas that they have against Christianity. But all of them had a green dot next to the fact of, uh, I have a positive view towards Christian values and Jesus. And all of the research said to us, uh, you have no problem using the name Jesus. People are intrigued by Jesus. And I was so thrilled to hear that, that we didn't have to water down our message, that we could talk about the person of Jesus and his teachings. And uh, that has transformed my confidence level and my understanding that people are really, are truly interested in hearing as long as they know that we care and, and follow the five um, premises towards those, um, those conversations that we would have with them. Well, I want to get to those five premises, but first I wondered, you said that as you've done the roadshow in 20 different places, um, that you have some stories you could share. So I don't know if it's like stories of people who have attended or conversation, like ahas they had while they were there or, someone, how it helped them engage in their community, but what, can you just share one or two stories with us? Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, there is a sense of relief that people experience when they hear that they have the freedom uh, to engage with people where they're at and that it's okay to leave the results to God. Um. And I, th- I think there is an um, underlying sense of obligation and duty and shame that comes associated with the gospel engagement. And we call it gospel engagement. There's some stigmas against evangelism uh, um, and even proclamation. And I think what Jesus modeled for us was a, a clear gospel engagement with the whole person that led to transformation. And people have different points of entry from their mind, their heart, their emotions, their will, their needs. And Jesus knew people (laughs) completely. We don't. 
but by listening to them, then we can engage with them. So um, there are some uh, legacy staff or, or staff that have been with us 40 plus years within crew. There are church planners all the way down to 20-something 20 year old church planners that are saying, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that we have permission to explore and live by faith in the wild field and that we don't have to be contained by a controlled greenhouse uh, environment of A plus or one plus one equals two, which it always does. But in the faith journey, it doesn't always add up uh, because everyone is so unique and everyone is, is such an individual. Um, you know, some of our presenters had shared some of their stories and um, where the stories that we're really seeing happen is where I feel this is meeting a need is our long-term relationships, our family members that aren't followers of Christ, our neighbors that have been neighbors to us for five years, but we've never known how to engage in conversations. And those that come to our, research, our, our roadshow are seasoned Christian workers who are very good at talking to strangers and talking to people in the context of an appointment or a strategy, but they feel um, frozen when it comes to, well, how do I take the next steps with this person that I'm going to see on a weekly basis or my next door neighbor or my brother, older brother who has a completely different lifestyle of mine that completely disagrees with me, but I have a re familial relationship or family relationship that's never going to end. And um, it can't be, they're seeing, it's not just a once and done, check off the mark, I exposed them, they didn't, they weren't interested and I can move on. And I, I think that's, we've um, unintentionally created a culture of seeing people as projects. And I would say I every roadshow we have, there's a sense of relief. There's a sense of I can integrate this into my whole life and I can understand my audiences more. And at, my heart is not, I definitely have a heart for the vocational Christian worker, but my heart is for the millions upon millions upon millions who are in our churches or not in our churches who follow and love Jesus, but they have no idea where to start. When we first started uh, some of our research, we met with 20 millennials in New York City. They were all involved with our uh, ministry in New York with crew, and all of them were afraid to share their faith. They were afraid to proclaim the gospel because they knew more than maybe many others, and our younger generations can teach us so much if we listen to them, they knew that their audience, their coworkers, their neighbors, didn't think Christianity was relevant or authentic. And so they clammed up. They didn't know what to say. So they did all the things that a Christian would do, but they wouldn't say anything. And they wouldn't talk about Jesus. And when we shared with them the results of this research, it's like, you mean I can really engage in conversations around Jesus and have meaningful conversations with them, and I don't need to, to um, be... Uh, run away from that. So my heart is that we could unleash the millions upon millions of followers of Jesus that have relegated evangelism, gospel proclamation to their church pastors or their missionaries they support. We're never going to fulfill the Great Commission if it's dependent upon the vocational Christian worker. And that is, has never been uh, the biblical mandate that we were all called 
and we are all all have that opportunity. And how can we give people a sense of permission? Not that I have authority over them, but to say, you, you can go do it. You don't need me. You can begin these conversations. You can begin to explore how can you use your talents, gifts, and who you are and how God's designed you and your platform to begin to engage people in gospel uh, conversations where you're at. Tom, tell us some, what are those five premises for, is it five premises for a conversation? Um, It's five behaviors. um, And it's, it really does lead practically to a conversation. Um, And um, so often we think of a conversation that one of the illustrations we use is coffee to the cross. Hey, Sam, let's get together for coffee. I've got an appointment. And if I don't get to the gospel, I feel like I failed. Or, oh, I didn't ask the right question. And so this kind of takes a lot of the, the pressure off and the, releases the valve, <laughs> the pressure valve, and says, okay, it's really about hundreds and thousands of conversations that we can have over time in intersecting with people. And those, the five behaviors that need to be present, and interestingly, our respondents in our research, majority of them, vast majority of them, did not believe that Christians could do these five things. But if Christians and Christian organizations could do these five things, then they'd be willing to engage with them in bringing good to their city or engage with them in a spiritual conversation. And so uh, just like everything else in our roadshow, it's not rocket science. It's very elementary. And when we share it, people are like, duh, of course. But the, the five things from the research really speak truth to us and how can we adapt these the first one, as Sam, is to be present and listen. Follow the conversation and not your agenda. To be present and to listen, to value the other person. We do a whole segment on the Imago Day that the person is not our enemy. This person that we're engaging with is created in the image of God. They reflect the image of God. They have etern- They can experience eternity. They all have eternity in their heart, but they can engage in those eternal conversations and Um, discussions. So the first thing we say is to be present and listen, follow the conversation and not your agenda. And good friend of ours, John Lamb in Colorado said, listening is not simply waiting for your chance to speak. (laughs) So uh, to be present and listen sometimes in conversations means that you're just, you're just listening to them and people love to share their story and to be asked those questions. The second one, Sam, is to find common ground build a relational bridge and not a spiritual chasm. And when we talk about common ground, we realize if we're all created in God's image and we're all on a spiritual journey, there's most likely something in my life that we have in common together, a relational commonality, a hobby, an interest, a talent. Um, As opposed to finding those things that separate us and divide us, um, whether it's your lifestyle or your political beliefs, and all of a sudden I'd say, you're not a candidate for a spiritual conversation because we believe differently, and I presume to you are. What we need to do is look for opportunities to find common ground uh, with others, to build a relational bridge as opposed to building a spiritual chasm. The third one is to walk in their shoes, understand their story and not your conclusions. And I kind of referred to that a little bit earlier, but we make a lot of uh, presumptions about people uh, by their presence, by their employment by their social economic status, by their ethnicity, uh, by their geographic location. We make a lot of presumptions, but everyone has a deep, deep 
vain and story throughout their life. And God is the author of that story. And so as we walk in their shoes, we begin to understand how is God working in their life? Where they may have never, ever seen it before, but we need to have an appreciation for that and value that. Uh, The fourth one is to talk like a real person. Use words meant for people, not for the pews. (laughs) And uh, I I love that because, you know, as... um, in our Christian bubble, in our echo chamber, we, and I've probably even in this podcast, used a lot of words that those who are far from Christ that are listening to think, what is, what is he talking about? And that's why it's been really helpful to uh, train myself and to listen to how am, I, um, how am I speaking? What words am I using? Do they make sense to others? And that was really a great uh, benefit of having those that weren't followers of Christ be a part of our research project. Because they'd say, wait a second, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, You need to use different words or translate that. I I have no grid of thinking um, from things that are very natural and normal to us in our Christian culture. So talk like a real person. And most most of the times, those who are in full-time Christian work need the most help on this, myself included. Uh, The last one is to tell a better story than the one they've already heard. Tell a better story than the one they've already heard. And this is quite possibly my favorite. Um, And what it is not, it's not changing the story of the gospel. But how do we frame it in such a way that they can listen and they're compelled to understand? And Jesus was a master of this. And that he identified the individuals and the woman at the well. He identified her needs. He knew everything about her. And he talked about living water. He didn't condemn her. He didn't judge her. Uh, for her behavior or that she was on her uh, fifth husband or whatever number it was at that point, in the middle of the day, going to the well, away from all the other women to avoid the gossip. He had compassion on her. Uh, she was an outcast. Um, and so as Jesus so often had compassion on those that were on the outskirts, uh, this is a great opportunity for us to do that as well by telling a better story than the one they've already heard. And this is where I think we really need to grow as, uh, as Christians, as churches, as an organization with a greater appreciation for the whole story of Scripture, the whole narrative of Scripture, as opposed to cherry-picking verses and, um, and simple outlines. And certainly that is, that is not a dig on the four spiritual laws, one of our most fruitful uh, tools that we've ever had. But the four spiritual laws were written in the 50s and perfected in the 60s in a culture that was vastly different than the one we have right now. And what people are telling us is, I need to hear a story that Jesus can make a difference in my life. And I've seen this lead to profound, deep, rich gospel conversations with people that are the most anti-dogmatic, that whose lifestyle and conjecture towards Christians most people would, would write off. And uh, I, I've grown and I've learned in this area and I have a lot more growth and learning to do. Um, but some of the most wild field, faith-filled conversations I've had have not led to a salvation decision, but they've led that person to reconsider their feelings towards Jesus, towards the Bible. And even some of them have said, well, I, I, I need to read the Bible. And so we've asked them, you know, there's a lot of people that have very strong feelings about the Bible, but most people haven't read it. And we can say that for Christians, 
and those who don't follow Christ. Most Christians haven't read the whole Bible. They've listened to what their pastor have said, or they've cherry-picked the verses, and it made sense to them, and that was enough. But they don't see the depth and the beauty of the one true, as uh, Goheen says in his books, the one true story of the whole universe. And uh, the beauty of reading the entire scripture as one story, you begin to see themes and narratives that echo in the hearts of all people. Because God placed that within their hearts, eternity within their hearts, and the eternal word and the truth, that it resonates with them when they begin to hear it in light of story. So this is a great opportunity for us to become students of the the whole narrative of Scripture and to learn how to tell a better story and um, have a toolbox of all, you know, do a research study and a, a Bible study of how Jesus told stories, parables, or you know, the, all the red letter versions of the Bible, the New Testament, a vast majority of them are the parables um, and how Jesus told stories that all didn't have nice, neat, clean endings. They were all very open-ended, but they were profoundly thoughtful and they connected with the heart and soul of the listener. So those are, those are the five things. If we're present and listen, we find common ground, we walk in their shoes, we talk like a real person and we tell a better story, then all of our respondents throughout the research said, we're willing to engage with you for the good of the city, for our community, and we're also willing to engage with you in a conversation about Christianity and Christian values in the person of Jesus. But it's not a once and done. It's not coffee to the cross. It will take a, it, it's, it's a long season of, of staying with people. Um, but imagine if the millions and millions and millions of followers of Jesus who are in church or not in church began to understand the one true story of the whole Bible and say, what is my story and how does it connect to the beauty of the gospel and how can I engage others in this eternal story of the gospel that will resonate with all people that are created in the image of God? And so that wraps up. There's a lot more uh, research, a lot more kind of practical tools that we uh, provide in the roadshow. Um, that wraps it up. Now, we're planning on doing several more roadshows. You know, with uh, COVID-19, we've made some adjustments. And now um, we have a first iteration of all six modules of the roadshow listed. And we can provide the uh, website so your listeners can go. And uh, the, each module is 20 to 30 minutes. And we're beginning to add question and discussion questions, so you can just pace, do your own safe self-pace, and uh, go through those different modules, and they might prove to be beneficial during this very rapidly changing culture that we find ourselves in. Now, Tom, is it posted somewhere right now that only staff have access to, or if someone's listening and they want to watch these videos but they're not on staff with crew, how do they access that? That is a great question. If you give me just one moment, I can, it's, you know, it's a long URL through the public crew site, crew.communities.city. And I'll, I'll find the link. I don't know if, are you able to post it? Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. So if you're listening and you want access to those, to the roadshow modules digitally, especially during this quarantine, then, um, that'll be in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tom. I'm so encouraged by what you're doing. It's obvious that, you know, the core is loving God and loving people. And I'm just excited to see what continues to happen through the roadshow. 